serious consideration of the guilt charges before us from God leads us to a very poignant question. One we'll take a look at next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. This week here on Truth For Today, we're continuing our series called Diagnosis and Cure for the Human Race. It's a look at the book of Romans, specifically chapter 3 is where we find ourselves in a current mini-series within a series, How Can a Sinner Ever Be Right With God? In light of the charges brought against us, the guiltiness that we have before God because of our offense to Him, what is the answer? Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, for today's broadcast of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Pick up, if you will, Romans 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He, that is Christ, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I want to just have you turn to Galatians with me just to get a little bit further backdrop on Abraham. Galatians 3, 6, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. The gospel was contained in this promise. All nations will be blessed through you so that those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. And the way we were blessed is he said the seed that came through Abraham was the Messiah, and that seed blesses all the nations. So whether Abram knew it or not, the gospel was in seminal form back there in Genesis 12. I want to share what Paul focuses in on. He's been telling us how a person can be right with God. And he has gone into the cross work of Christ. He has spoke that God imputes or he credits to your account the gift of righteousness solely on the basis of faith in God alone. Back in chapter 4, he says something interesting in verse 12. 
And he is also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. We're going to look at five things that characterized Abraham's faith that characterizes those who were saved today. He says in chapter 4, verses 9 uh, through 12, that he was justified by faith before he was ever circumcised. That did not happen to about Genesis 17. So he always had that debate with the Jews of the day for they had elevated circumcision to be, it's, it was nearly saving. And Paul was always taking that on. Abraham was declared right before God without circumcision. Then he goes on to say, he was declared right with God apart from the law, for the law was not given at that time. The law didn't come to 400 years or so later. So two big things he wants to use Abraham. Hey, you can be right with God without circumcision. You can be right with God without the law. Well, what did he have that made him right with God? Faith in God. Faith. And he's going to make the application in verse 23 and 25. This was not just written about Abraham, but the principle transfers right over to us today that the only thing necessary for you to have a right relationship with God is to exercise the faith, the kind of faith that was exercised by Abraham. Now, let me just give a brief look, just a brief summary of this man. Chapter 12 and 11, he leaves from uh, Ur of Chaldee with his father, his nephew, and some other folks. And God says, I will bless you. I will make a great name of you. I will bring nations out of you. I will, I will. I will bless you in a great way, Abram. Abram heard this voice from God because God knows how to talk. God knows how to use the language of the person he's talking to, and they don't need an interpreter. Abram understood what God was saying. So that he obeyed God, left Ur, went to Canaan, a land he knew nothing about. As he's there, his name means uh, mighty father, just Abram. And imagine when he started telling everybody, I'm going to be the father of nations. Can you imagine what they said around the uh, water cooler 20 years later? The old man is deceived. He doesn't know that he's becoming old. Sarah's past childbearing age, and he's got this name that says he's going to be a father, and he hasn't fathered one kid in his life. Kind of the, the office joke, you know. Abram. The father. Father of what? Well, he, uh, chapter 15, he just delivered his nephew Lot from the kings of Sodom. And he's there in a Bedouin tent, and uh, he's uh, a little afraid. And God says, don't worry, Abram, I'm going to be your shield and your exceeding great reward. And I can imagine Abram saying, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Reward. You told me to leave Ur, and you raise up a family for me. And all I've got is Eliezer over here, not of my loins, just a household servant. 
And uh, that's all I got. Is this it? Is this it? No, 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 Abram. Uh, go outside. Get out of the tent. Look up. That's your posterity. Well, you imagine that. Think of you be about 75, and your wife's been barren, and you go out one night, and you look up, and God says, guess what? That's your future family. I don't care what you're taking as a supplement. That would be a shocker. That's a lot of kids, God. Uh, that's what I'm going to liken. Because you've got to know that the seed of Abraham in that promise did not include just Jews. Because he says, I'm going to make you a father of everyone who believes. You're going to get a family through Jesus that I'm going to make you the head of a spiritual family. Not only the Jewish family, but Gentiles are going to be going all the way back to Abraham and say, you're the father of it. You showed us how to believe God. And you're the father of this whole family of believers. And he just said, if you said it, I believe you. I just believe you can do it. God says, for that attitude, Abram, I'm going to give you a status of being right in my sight for no other virtue but that you believed I can do what I promised. Five things about his faith I want us to look at. Number one, the person whom he believed. Two, the promise that he believed. Thirdly, faith not only believes the right person, it not only believes promises made by that person, Faith believes this person has the power to perform what he promises. So the person, the promises, the power. Fourthly, the reliability or the faithfulness of the person who made the promise. Fifthly, the promise overcomes hopeless situations. And then he makes the application to us. Number one, against all hope, Abraham believed. Now, now what's going on here? Behind every promise is a person. And uh, a promise is no better than the character of the person who makes it. And there's something that Abraham obviously did that we need to think through. And that is, is this God that we call our God, uh, can this person pull it off? There's four things you need to know about God. Number one, he's not a liar. Titus says he cannot lie. If God says something, now you've got to ask this, can God talk? Can God talk? How does he talk? Word, did Abraham have a King James Version Bible? Did he have a Hebrew Bible? So, God, in days past, spoke in dreams, spoke audibly, gave visions. God gave uh, prophecy. God gave prophets, okay? He said, in sundry times, he spoke in various ways. He spoke in these last days in a son, and he speaks through his words that have been written down. God knows how to talk to his people. And today, the sure way we know is we've got inscripturated words. I love that because I could forget what you said in about three minutes. But when you write it down, I'm a hard copy guy. Give me hard copy. Don't go start quoting me what we said. Give me a written copy. I love it. 
How's your memory doing? You remember the promises? I don't. Every time I read the Bible, I say, well, when did you say that, God? He said about 3,000 years ago. How many times have I read it? A hundred times. Why did I forget it? Because you're forgetful. We've got his word, so we have a man, Abram, that's not shocked that this God can talk. By the way, none of the gods of the Old Testament could talk. They had no eyes, they had no ears, they had no mouth, and they could not walk. They just lived with that. They knew to be a good idolater, you had to have a toothless, eyeless, earless, a feetless idol. But when you step over to this God, this God can talk. This God cannot lie. Uh, this God happens to claim to be all-powerful. El Shaddai, one of his names. God Almighty, one of his names. I happen to have all the power necessary to do anything. Abram, without taking theology 101, seemed to just give that kind, him credit for that, being that kind of God. Saving faith does not put his faith in a Twinkie. Does not put it in a broken straw. Doesn't manufacture. Our faith is in a person, not even in just a few statements. But we believe God is talking in the gospel, that he's talking to us in Christ, that God is saying something to the human race, and behind the promise is God, the person. We'll develop these other things. So the first thing I believe is that Abram said, a person told me to leave Ur, and articulate it well enough that I could get it, and I leave. Now, what was the focus of his faith? Well, it was in a promise of God. Look at verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those under the law, but to those of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, all who believe. He goes on to say, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. In grace, God has done something. He has made promises to people who have already broken covenant with him. God makes promises to ungodly sinners. There's no other kind. By the time God makes a promise to you and I, either in the gospel or whether it's to a idol-worshiping Abram that's being called out of Ur, in grace, God will make a promise to people who have already broken everything God expected by rebelling and being sinners. It astounds me that God made a promise to me while I was unsaved of what he would do for me. Have you ever had someone lie to you? Someone break your heart? Someone break whatever agreement you had? Does it put you in the mood to go back and promise them some more things? And what's amazing about God's promise, the promise does not rest on your ability to keep it. God makes promises that he makes only himself liable to fulfill. He just wants you to believe he can do it. Abram cannot father a nation. Abram, uh, up to that time, they thought he was sterile. 
They found out he wasn't when Hagar gets pregnant, and then it doubles the antagonism towards Sarah. But it says, you know, the guy you really love, you can't raise a family. And God said, I'm going to build a family through you and Sarah. And so guess what, Sarah? You're the one that's the problem. So anywhere you go, God, you can't fulfill it that way. He can have children through a slave woman, but not through Sarah. And that's who he promised. Let me say, saving faith says, no matter the obstacles, I can believe the promise because I know the person that made them. And behind the promise is the promise keeper. How many weddings have we done? I prom- Sometimes vows can go on for 30 minutes, you know. And uh, I, I, a lot of couples, let me write my vows and this and that. I promise you this, we will never argue. And, I, and, and being married, I said, oh, what a day to lie. <laughs> the worst time to be lying when everybody's recording this. The, this is being video. They're going to hand this out to the, we, we will never uh, go to bed angry. Oh, sloppy agape. I say, this is, this is just too deep. I can't even take it. And I'm supposed to be, all I get to do is coach them. Would you promise this lie? I will never get mad at you. Isn't that a lie? They can't keep that unless they, on the honeymoon, drank arsenic. You can't keep that. I mean... I promise you all anybody can promise. Can you perform? And that's the second thing that Abraham does. He not only acknowledges this person, he buys the promise here because he believes he has the power, the power to perform it. And I want you to see the verse where he says that, verse 21. He was fully persuaded that God had power, are you there, to do what he promised. What a marvelous statement. He said, I believe you've got all the power to keep what you promised. I don't know how to father a nation. I don't know how to keep this promise. You made the promise. It's one-sided, is it not? And in the gospel, let me tell you why many people never get saved. I hear it this way. I can never live like a Christian. Why, no, you can't. You're not one. You got to become one first. I can never, man, I just can't imagine. No, you can't. Because you've never experienced the power that makes you a Christian. But do you believe God is powerful enough to work in your life so that the Christian life becomes life eternal and the greatest thing? Uh, Well, I just don't think I could ever be that way. Well, you won't be. Until you believe God's offering you eternal life, a changed heart, a new direction, new power that you've never tasted of before, new appetites that are heavenly and out of this world, and that all that garbage you've been feeding on will no longer taste good because you will get a taste of a heavenly menu you've never tasted of before. Do you believe God can do that? This is the power of a new birth. And, and you have to say this God, first of all, there's a God out there not lying. Now, you've all got a God, but if you don't have the true God, your God's lying to you. 
Satan is a God. He's the God of this age. And he's lying to you. Follow me and we'll take over this thing. No, follow him and you'll end up in the lake of fire. But he's not letting you in on that. God squealed on him and told his plan. He wants to get you in the lake of fire. The true goddess says, I make promises to you, not just to Abraham, but in the gospel that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll receive eternal life. You'll become delivered from sin and Satan. Believe that I can do that as much as Abraham believed I could make a family out of a barren household. Do you believe I can do that if I make that promise? Do I have the power to perform? Now, Abraham amazingly knew two things about God way back. He said, I know this God is not defeated if something's dead because he can raise the dead. Do you see that? Look, he is our father. Verse, look at this, 17. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Listen to that. You talk about power. He's saying two things with God. Hear this. Two things that can never defeat God. Death and non-existence. And you say, I'm dead towards God. You're absolutely right. We were all dead in our sins, were we not? Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in your sins. Well, that's it. I'm dead. I guess I'm going to hell. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. God talks to the dead. This world is the mortuary of the dead who do not know God. For he said of that young widow in 1 Timothy 5, she was dead while still being alive. You can be alive, still eating groceries and walking around and be dead towards God. Say, well, it's over. I'm dead. I can never. Wait, 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 wait. This God who makes promises, his power is manifested. And one of his specialties is resurrection. He knows if he saves you, he has to resurrect you from the boneyard of sin. And he says, I'm willing to do that. I got that kind of power. Matter of fact, I told the Ephesians, I wish you knew the greatness of my power, the power that raised my son from the dead. And he goes right from chapter one to chapter two. By the way, this power to raise the dead, not only raised Christ, it raises every sinner that I save. I raise him from the dead for I'm the God of resurrection power. And with that, we put the finishing touches on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Well, today's broadcast is taken from a greater set out of the book of Romans. And today, our focus has been specifically on this wonderful part of Romans here in the first couple of chapters. Can a sinner be right with God? And the answer is unequivocally yes. And we're taking a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about it, and how that happens. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, copies are available, or simply ask for the entire three-CD set, How Can a Sinner Ever Be Right with God? Call us today at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. 
Now, there is another way that you can contact us, and not only contact us, but take advantage of an awful lot of resource materials available for your growth in Christ. And you'll get the chance to learn a bit more about us and who we are and what we believe. It's all found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And please, at this time, let me extend to you a personal invitation to join us at Valley Bible. Directions and service times are all found at our website, valleybible.org. And when you pay us a visit, would you let one of the ushers know that you were invited by the radio broadcast? That would encourage us a great deal. One other note as we let you go, the broadcast is presented daily and Sundays here on KFAX as TFT sustainers come alongside of us financially and prayerfully as partners, helping us in the support of the broadcast to continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift. You'll also have access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video done by Pastor Phil. For further information, visit valleybible.org or simply call us at 855-833-9864. No gift is too small. In fact, we would rather have 25 folks who are giving 5 or $10 a month as opposed to one big donation. That's not to say we won't take a big donation as well, but again, that's simply to let you know that any and all donations are gratefully appreciated. And 100% of your donation goes back into the ministry here at Truth For Today to ensure that it continues here on KFAX. Please consider that as you call us at 855-833-9864 and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.